Welcome back to a retread edition of Canton Bound, our NFL-themed show here on uh, Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And uh, we always like to come up with like a fun topic to break the ice here before we really get into the content. Um, and I was thinking tonight, so I, in the past like uh, six months or so, have fallen in love with eating olives, like green olives, especially if they're stuffed with something really good, like a jalapeno or like something like that. But, and I never used to eat them when I was younger. Like I thought olives were the most disgusting thing ever. I, I don't eat black olives still, but like green olives, I just freaking love. So, Colin, do you have a food like that that you didn't used to eat but now you love? Um, yeah, I mean, just first of all, olives are gross. I hate olives. Uh, still can't do it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, ever since you know, I've started actually cooking a little bit more when I moved in with my girlfriend and everything like that, I've actually had to you know, move away from the frozen meals and you know, hot dogs and mac and cheese and things like that. Um, I have found myself eating peppers a lot more. I really didn't like peppers before, like any kind of peppers, hot peppers, jalapenos, um, you know, green peppers, you know, any, anything really. Um, but I have, re I do really like those now. And I've, I found I've started to like a lot more spicy things in general. Maybe you'd like olive stuffed with peppers. I haven't had it, so I won't say no. But it doesn't sound appetizing for me. So it's a big so mental hurdle for me with some foods. So here's the thing with olives that like I found that I love about them. So I love salty foods. Like that's like my my thing. Like pretzels, peanuts, like those kinds of things I love because they're salty. And like if you get like a jar of olives from the store, they it's basically just a vehicle to put like a briny, salty like a thing that it's sitting in, in into your body. Like so I like once I once I like came to that realization i've been all about it i don't I, <laughs> I don't know yeah like i said it's it's a big mental hurdle for me with foods like i used to be picky like i mean you said you know i was really big into the chicken nuggets and everything like that i had the palate of like a six-year-old when i was you know 24 uh, but yeah it's still hard for me to get over like the the mental block of like i didn't used to like this hmm well, well, next time, uh, next time we're together, um, there will almost certainly be alcohol there. So I'll bring yeah. a jar to all of us. See what we can get going. <laughs> Undoubtedly, there will be. So I mean, I'm not going to rule it out. But at, at three in the morning, when you've been drinking, you know, you'll eat some weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, all right. So before we just go any deeper into that, let's just uh, we got some QB news that we're going to hit before we hit our main topic here tonight, which is the NFL coaching carousel. Um, so I guess, um, not the most important QB news that we're going to talk today, but the one that happened most recently here is the signing of Dwayne Haskins with Pittsburgh. He is signing a futures contract. I have not seen how much that deal is for, um, but presumably Pittsburgh is basically bringing him in to kick tires on him. He was cut by the Washington football team who drafted him in the first round just two seasons ago. Uh, it was thought to be their franchise guy. Colin, do you think that uh, A, Haskins is end up going to end up staying in Pittsburgh, you know, making the roster next year? And B, do you think that he actually has an NFL career uh, to speak of uh, looking forward? Well, I think as far as landing spots go for him, this was literally the best that he could hope for and that, you know, you could hope for in general. 
I think one, his skill set fits what Pittsburgh looks to do fairly well. Um, you know, and then you got Big Ben there, probably there next year, probably. And then beyond that, hard to say. So there's a little bit of a window of opportunity. And then you do have Mike Tomlin there who, you know, he's definitely a player's coach and you hear rumors about him, like kind of letting the locker room get out of hand at times and everything like that. But I think you see people kind of become more vocal and more bigger troublemakers when they leave there, you know, kind of like Antonio Brown. I mean, he, he seemed to keep a lot of those personalities in check for a long time. So I think that's kind of an underrated part of Tomlin's game. I don't know if he necessarily gets enough credit for that because like I said, you hear people say like, Oh, you know, like the locker room gets kind of a mess at times, but there's a lot of personalities on that team. I think he did pretty well. So I think from a coaching standpoint, Hask, uh, Tomlin is probably going to be good for Haskins. You know, I think he may be able to kind of keep him in line a little bit. Um, and, you know, like I said, he fits the scheme system well. So it's a very easy, low risk move for the Steelers, but that has a decent amount of upside. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you nailed it with Tomlin. I think that that's a good place for him to go because Tomlin will let, uh, yeah, Tomlin will kind of let him do his own thing. I'm hoping that he's learned something from the past two years because uh, this is like his fifth chance. I mean, new, if, first new chance with a new team, but like kept messing up with the Redskins repeatedly with the selfie and um, it is some of the other stuff that he's done over the past few years. The strip club with the mask, maskless. Yeah, like like, I, like we said on one of the shows uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think he likes being a football player more than he likes playing football. I've always thought that about him and I think that it's just been validated and confirmed over the past few years. Um I wouldn't be that surprised if he doesn't F up. I think that he might make the roster next year, though, because the Steelers really don't have that much going on at quarterback. Um, I do think Ben comes back for one more year. Um, living here in the city, it seems like that's the the word, the rumor around town. Um, I wish he'd retire, but I, yeah, I don't <laughs> think he will. I think he'll ride, he'll ride out his last year of his contract and be gone. Um, I'm not sure how much Haskins will like learn from Ben. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that's like super helpful with these kids in the film room, but just a, a, a new city, a new place. Pittsburgh's not like a flashy place for him to go where he can um, really mess up that much. Um, so I think it's smart by Pittsburgh to bring him in and, and see what's there. Um, and I think he does make our roster out of training camp, barring something weird happening in the draft. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. That's a good point there. I mean, Mason Rudolph has shown over the years, like he's nothing. You know, he doesn't have what it takes to be, you know, an NFL quarterback. Um, he's barely serviceable as a backup. Duck Hodges was cool for a little bit, but, you know, it, that's that's over. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think as far as – I think he'll make the roster. I think you're right there, barring any boneheaded move on his end. But, you know, how much trouble can you really get in Pittsburgh – I mean, you, you go to what tequila cowboy or, you know, something like that, hang out on South sides or somewhere. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you, have you been out in Pittsburgh before? Yeah, I've been out in Pittsburgh before. I've been, out, tequila in cowboy? I've been out in Pittsburgh a couple times. Yeah. Um, and you didn't yeah, tell me you were here. I absolutely told you I was here. We met up for dinner the one time and you ended up coming to pick me up. You remember? No. 
Yeah, because yeah, I've like I left, uh, you know, and I called you, and I was like, "Hey, could you like we were out, we went to dinner, and then we went out. Uh, I was with a couple other friends because we were doing our uh, spring break in Pittsburgh. Which I mean, why wouldn't you? You know, it's a I, wonderful. I'm location. not gonna lie, I I I don't want to insinuate that that night meant nothing <laughs> to me. <laughs> I just don't wow. remember that. <laughs> Wow. And I thought I was the drunk one that night. But I definitely wouldn't have been hanging out with you at Tequila Cowboy with you. So no, our, you were, our paths definitely our paths, you know, diverged before that. Yeah. Our paths crossed for dinner and then with like me and two of my other friends. And then you went back to your place and we went out. And then we went to Tequila Cowboy and we went somewhere else that had really cheap Long Island iced teas, which is just a recipe for disaster. And then I ended up calling you to pick me up instead of an Uber. You don't remember that at all? All right, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) So so we have two quarterback retirements that we have to at least briefly talk about. Um, So the first one, we'll talk about Phillip Rivers first, I guess. Um, So Rivers finally retires. Um, after what a 16 uh, year career with the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, people tend to forget that he was actually drafted by the Giants and then traded on draft night in that infamous swap for Eli Manning, who said that he wouldn't um, he he wouldn't play uh, where he got drafted initially. Um, uh, Rivers retires as the number five all-time passing yards leader in the NFL, um, and there's nobody particularly close that's active. Uh, Big Ben is, and I could see him passing him next year. But and Aaron Rodgers is about twelve thousand yards behind him, so not not a lot of guys that I think are going to necessarily catch him here in the next few years. Um, and then he also is the number five passing touchdowns leader. Um, and that one, he almost certainly will get passed by Aaron Rodgers next year and possibly Ben as well. But either way, he's finishing, you know, within a couple years of retirement, he's going to be top 10 in both categories. Uh, do you think he's a Hall of Fame player, Colin? Oh, man, I mean, that's that's tough because that's when you start getting into some of the other guys who are, you know, who put up like great stats but never really won anything. Um, you know, so... But I do think he is. I mean, just how long of a career he had, how successful he was passing. Now, the game did has changed. And, you know, there's a reason why you see, you know, the top, you know, 10 guys are all like in passing minus Elway and Marino have all been playing, you know, within the last decade. So, you know, I think the game's really changed as far as that goes. But I still think he was he was a very good quarterback for a very long time. And some of those Chargers teams were fantastic. You know, they went 14 and two the one year. You know, when they had Gates and uh, Vincent Jackson and LT and those teams were rolling that offensively with uh, was it Schottenheimer was the head coach. You know, some of those teams were just really good. They just ran into the Patriots every time or the Steelers. Yeah, I feel like I feel like using the Patriots as an excuse doesn't necessarily hold that much water for me because Ben did it twice, Flacco did it once. Um, I think Sanchez made it through them once. I don't I don't think he made the Super Bowl, but he went through the Patriots. So like yeah. it was never impossible. He just never was able to do it. And they had that year where they were what first in offense and first in defense, and they lost like their first playoff game. Um, I I think 
I think, and I I know that uh, people get like really uh, defensive about Philip Rivers for some weird ass reason because <laughs> he's like this like hillbilly that became a quarterback and like everybody loves how genuine and stuff he is for it. And I, I generally well, agree with that. It's the all shucks. He doesn't yeah. swear kind of a thing, but I think he, he's like the kind of player that like is the best player in the hall of very good. But <laughs> I he just never crossed that threshold for me. I don't think he was ever like a top three quarterback in the league, no matter what, like if you look you like people were like, well, over like a 10 year span, like he had the heart the highest, like, okay. But like, I don't, I can't remember a single season. Like, where he was, uh, I ever thought he was the best. I don't think he was ever considered a legitimate MVP candidate. I don't think he ever really had a year where, um, you know, like people were saying, well, no one wants to play the Chargers because, you know, Phillip Rivers and that. Like, I I don't really remember ever a time where any of those things were the case. And I think narrative is just as strong as statistical profile. That's why I don't think Frank Gore is a Hall of Famer either. And I know because I've heard people say, well, if you think Frank Gore's a Hall of Famer, you think Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. And I'm like, well, luckily, I don't think either's a Hall of Famer. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, that. Yeah, well, that's that's interesting because I mean, th- that'll be a topic maybe for another day. But I do think Frank Gore is a Hall of Famer, especially with, you know, just the way the running back position has changed so much. Um, you know, I, I mentioned to you the other day that I was thinking about writing like a, a small shower thoughts article about who nowadays as an NFL running back, can you actually even see being a hall of famer? Um, and I think he's one of the very, very few. And I mean, he's the last of that kind of era, but you know, that's kind of a topic for another day. But I think with you know, going back to rivers, you said he's, ne- he was never like the top three quarterback in the league, but I mean, look at the quarterbacks he was up against in the league at the same time, breeze, Brady, Manning, Favre for a lot of their career they overlapped big ben was there over the same career aaron Rodgers, you know so there's a the quarterbacks in that era were really really good so i don't think that's a huge knock on him i mean the quarterbacks i just named are all in the top 10 in passing i mean Rodgers will pass elway here you know tomorrow or uh this weekend he'll pass him in yards um you know it's assuming he throws for 230 yards but so I, I don't know. I think that that's tough to say because just because this era of quarterbacks was so great. Yeah, I feel like this is like a whole nother discussion for a whole nother day. So I don't want to jump too deep down to like right. what qualifies you for the Hall of Fame. But like if you're if your best excuse is like, well, there were a lot of other good players when you played too, then it's like, <laughs> OK, but if you weren't better than any of them, like then why would I put you in the Hall of Fame? You know, like. So like, if that's your strongest case, I don't know if that's like actually a strong case. Uh, okay. I mean, that's fair. Like you said, this is definitely a, an interesting topic for maybe another day. Uh, maybe sometime in the off season, we can get into a little bit of the hall of fame stuff, but and the, th- the other thing is like a lot of these guys are probably first ballot people. Um, like Peyton's going to get in yeah. first ballot. You got to figure breeze will Brady will Rogers probably will like a lot of these guys, Ben might have to wait because of his, um, transgressions um yeah he's just not a very likable guy like i don't even, i'm a steelers fan i don't even really like big ben <laughs> i mean i like it i like he's you know he's done a lot of things for us i don't really like him but it's like uh, rivers isn't even going to be the best player in his first time hall of fame class no position because he retires with drew Brees. yeah so i mean i don't think he's a first ballot guy but i think he'll eventually get in yeah but i think that's a good segue into breeze here who Actually, he hasn't officially retired yet. Um, you know, I was looking, and he 
there was like an announcement that he retired and then they said like, well, no, he doesn't actually retired yet. But well, I, think, I think they're post June 1st him or something. So I don't know if you have to wait to a certain point to do that or not. That's probably what it is. But I think at this point it's safe to assume he's done, yeah. especially with the injuries he's had. Yeah. Um, yeah. What did they say? He had those ribs. He had a torn rotator cuff this year and he had, um, he had another injury too. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't remember exactly what it was. And then he was hurt last year for a while too. Yeah. Um, I mean, he looks like it, like he looks like an old guy when he gets hit now. Yeah. Like like he does like he falls down real slow, like, (laughs) (laughs) but he really does. I was watching that game the other day and I was, I was a little concerned, Uh, but he, he finishes his second all time in touchdowns um, and first in yardage. Although um, he's like a thousand yards ahead of Tom Brady and Brady's playing next year. So, Brady will catch him. Yeah, Brady will catch him. But still, I mean, top two in both of those categories is, as he retires. So he's definitely a first ballot guy, we think, yeah. at this point. Um, do you have anything to you or I don't want to say eulogize his career, I guess? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, yeah, I think that the biggest thing with him was that huge career revitalization going to New Orleans. You know, he he looked good in in San Diego when he was there, but then, you know, they brought in rivers and he goes, he was hurt there too. And then, you know, they obviously went the rivers route. And I think, you know, obviously other people have talked about it a lot too, but you know, it could have been very different if he ended up with Saban in Miami, as opposed to Culpepper going there and then breeze going to work in new Orleans with Sean Payton. But, you know, I think he's just one, obviously one of the most prolific passers of all time. And, you know, he's, you said Brady will catch him next year but the next closest guy who's active is big ben who's twenty thousand yards behind him so i don't and then rogers is almost thirty thousand yards behind him so i don't i don't know if i see rogers catching him at any point yeah rogers missed those key years sitting behind Favre early in his career like even if he wasn't like you know tearing it up you know that's six to eight thousand yards probably that he left on the table that yeah. he might have otherwise yeah. yeah yeah so i and i don't so i don't think anybody's going to touch drew Brees's record at least for the next 20 years i mean i don't know maybe trevor lawrence comes in and just absolutely lights it on fire but he's going to have to do it for 20 years before he can hit that those numbers Mahomes is the only guy that's active right now that i think could get close the, and a sleeper a yeah. sleeper a sleeper is matt stafford who puts up like all these really hollow, um, like <laughs> I, I love Matt yeah. Stafford. This isn't like a, a slight on Stafford, but he puts up like all these huge stat lines and seasons where the Detroit Lions suck. And yeah. so people forget about how, how great of seasons he has, but he's like a, he's a sleeper guy, but those are the only two really active guys yeah. right now that I think have a sure. shot to catch uh, or even really get close. To yeah. What well, yeah, just, yeah. Mahomes is, is probably on, pace to be there at this point but i mean it's so hard to do what breeze did for so long that yeah that's end up hitting it I, th- I think the longevity is like the thing that sticks out the most about him like he played so well for so long and he did it um at a time where people didn't think a small guy like him could do it right um yeah. i think that's the thing that really people haven't been talking about that much over the past week or two at least not the stuff that i've been been reading about it is just how um, for years until really Russ, even Russell Wilson, like people were like uh, the only person you could compare a short quarterback prospect to where you say, well, well, Drew Brees can do it. Right. And now you have, you now you say, you know, uh, Russell Wilson can do it. Kyler Murray can do it. But I feel like he opened that door for yeah. a lot of guys that, that maybe that, uh, that wouldn't have had that 
had he not been so good for so long. Yeah, no, I totally agree. He definitely broke the mold for for short quarterbacks. I mean, you had Doug Flutie there, but who was good, but you know, he didn't have the long career. You know, so you didn't really want to necessarily be compared to him. But yeah, Breeze definitely broke the mold there. So I think that's a really good point too. Yeah. Um, but do you have any thoughts on Winston versus Hill for them next year? I mean, I know Winston's a free agent, but they probably bring him back. Oh man. The thing is, yeah. Cause I, I think Hill has the upper hand because he's already signed, but um, Hill's also 30. I like, I don't think Taysom Hill's good. I don't either. Um, he might be like a solid fantasy quarterback. I don't think he's a very good quarterback quarterback. Um, I think either way, they need to have another like another plan within the next year or two. Like I don't think either of those options are long, <laughs> long-term starters in New Orleans. No. no, I don't think either of them are long-term successful guys. Like I don't think they're guys who are going to lead you to the playoffs, either of them. Because Hill limits what they have to do offensively so much because he's just not a very good passer. And then Winston's obviously a good passer, but he's a bonehead with some of his decision making. And I don't know, maybe Peyton can hide some of that. But uh, I could be, it'd be awesome to have Haskins and uh, Winston on the same team together oh. and make them like live in the same house and then just film it. I think it's a, as I said, I think it's a reality show. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I'd watch that. Um, <laughs> all right. So, coaching carousel is the big topic for tonight. Um, now that uh, virtually all of the positions are filled. The only one we don't have at the time of recording this, and I don't think we'll have anytime soon, is Houston no. um, with Philly hiring Nick Sirianni this afternoon. Um, but we are actually going to start with Atlanta, both because mm-hmm. uh, you're a big Falcons fan, but also because you made the show sheet and you put them first. <laughs> so well, I was about to say maybe it's <laughs> alphabetical, but I'm looking at this and it's not. So It, it was alphabetical until I moved – Houston to the bottom because they're okay. the only one that ha- isn't open. So okay. before that, it was alphabetical. Okay. And I structured it alphabetically because it gave me an excuse to talk about Atlanta first. So there's a reason behind it being alphabetical, and there's a reason that it's in the order that it is show sheet wise, and that's because technically it is alphabetical. Okay. All right. Well, okay. So uh, they brought in Arthur Smith, who was the OC with the Titans uh, for the past uh, year or two. Two years? Is that how long? Two years. Years, um, they have already decided it on um, his coordinators. He's bringing in David Ragone from the Bears, who is their offensive coordinator, and a defensive coordinator. They're bringing in Dean Pease, who's about 900 years old. <laughs> so, Colin, we talked about this before the show because you said you have a ton of notes. You get three minutes to talk <laughs> Arthur Smith. So, ready, set, go. All right, I'm going to talk like an auctioneer here now. Um, no, so I mean, with Arthur Smith, I think you know you, you hear a lot of people talk about how he's the son of uh, Fred Smith, the founder of FedEx, and he kind of had an unconventional path into coaching because he did pass up an internship in investment banking in Hong Kong just to be a graduate assistant coach at UNC, um, and he and then after that he started coaching on the defensive side of the ball in uh, Washington, and then kind of bounced around. Um, and then he ended up in Tennessee as a quality assurance, quality, quality control coach uh, in, in 2011 with Mike Munchak. Um, and then he lasted 
through four coaching regimes in Tennessee, you know, Mike Munchak, Wisenhunt, Malarkey, and then into Vrabel. And he climbed all the way up from the defensive quality control coach, uh, all the way up to offensive coordinator uh, for the last two years. And he had some very good offenses. You know, he did a lot to turn around Ryan Tannehill and turn him into a, an efficient passer. Um, you know, they last year they were eighth in points per game. Uh, they had the third highest run rate, which is very different from what Atlanta is used to. They were Atlanta was dead last in 2019 in run rate. Um, but he was also a very efficient offense. Um, you know, they were fourth in yards per attempt uh, last year for Tennessee. Um, you know, 17th middle of the pack in third down conversion rate, but they were first in red zone TD scoring rate, which you heard a lot of people talk about there. You know, you heard a lot of people say how unsustainable that was. And while their rate did come down this year, they were second in red zone scoring TD rate, which is another huge departure for Atlanta because everybody knows how much they struggled in the red zone. Um, so I think this was a really, really good hire. Um, you know, like I said, it's definitely different from their offensive philosophy and it's different from the offensive pieces that they have currently. But I think they, you know, brought in Smith at the head coach. They brought in Fontenot as a, as the GM. So they're completely resetting the, the uh, they're hitting the reset button here. So I think you're going to see them start to move out some of those older players and, and bring in some of these, bring in some new blood, bring in some young guys and kind of rebuild this thing from the bottom up. Um, so in conjunction then with, um, it's just, this just seems like a really big shift in terms like, it, like this is a, definitely a new chapter in the Falcons, you know, kind of whatever they've got going on. Do you see any sort of replacements incoming for Julio or Matt Ryan within the next uh, maybe maybe not this offseason, although you got to think if they're going to do a quarterback, it would be this year because they're picking so high, but either this year or next year. Yeah, so I think this is very similar to the time that in Atlanta's history when, you know, Mike Vick moved on, you know, he got, uh, you know, obviously in those legal troubles there. They had Bobby Petrino, and that was a disaster. And then they just completely hit the reset button there. They brought in Mike Smith as a head coach. They brought in um, the new GM, who is just the one that they let go, who I'm blanking on right now. Um, but so they just completely hit the reset button. They draft Matt Ryan, and now in that situation, they had to, they took Matt Ryan third overall, and they had to have him start right away. I think the benefit here is one they really can't get out of Matt Ryan's contract this year. Like it's just going to be an absolute nightmare um, unless they find somebody who's willing to take that on. And I don't know if they're going to be able to, especially with the way the cap is right now, how that's going to go down expected to expected to go down pretty significantly actually. But um, so I don't think they're going to be able to get out of Ryan this year, but I definitely think they should take a QB early. And I think that by bringing in this regime that they did i think that's the route that they're gonna go um and then as far as julio goes he's a little easier to get out of their contract but i still don't think you necessarily need to to get out of that contract this year just because you know he's still good he's still a solid player um he's not quite as dominant as he was before but he was banged up a little bit this year off and on um so you know, I, I think you'll see him bounce back a little bit next year, but obviously not to the elite standard that he was. But 
after that, it's easier to get out of the contract. So I don't think you're going to see them move on from those guys this year. I think it's going to be a next year thing. Gotcha. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if uh, Julio has a top, like his last top five season is this coming year. Like I, I have a feeling if he stays healthy, he has one more big year left in him. Yeah. Um, as a guy that doesn't really have him anywhere, um, that's a bit of a bummer. But uh, I also I didn't realize that uh, that Smith had lasted through four head coaches. Yeah. With Tennessee, that's nuts. He's either really good at his job or he's really good at keeping his head down and his mouth shut. Because <laughs> like <laughs> to make it through that many like yeah yeah usually they just kind of you know purge purge and clean clean house. Yeah. That, that's impressive. That's really really impressive. So um, hopefully it's more of the the first one that he's good at his job and yeah less well, of the I- other one. Vrabel seems like a real no-nonsense kind of guy. So I think if you just kind of kept your head down and didn't say anything, I don't think he would have promoted him to OC. So I, I'm hoping it's the former, like you were saying too. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to the next one here is Detroit bringing in Dan Campbell. Um, work is just a nightmare for me right now. So I didn't get to watch this press conference live, <laughs> but I really, really wish I had because, because I, I saw what he said. And like, I felt like it was like a speech from like gladiator or like something like, yeah, man. Like, yeah, he was, (laughs) if you're Detroit, like, did you tell him to go out and make you look as like incompetent for your coaching search as humanly possible? Like, I, I, I don't know what to think of this hire at all. Well, that's the thing. Like, there's a lot of people in Detroit and like everything I'm reading, like people are hyped off of that press conference. They're like, yeah, he's gonna get us back to this old school grinded mentality you know we're gonna be a fighter apparently dan dan campbell's a cannibal talking about biting people all in the press conference like multiple times referred to that so yeah i don't know apparently people are energized by it and i mean you know good for them if they are um you know i think that that's something that that organization was lacking so yeah i don't know It, it might be a decent decent hire there um, uh, stock up for the running backs, DeAndre Swift. Uh, do they add somebody else? So I think they're gonna have to. They're gonna add somebody somewhere. Whether it's, yeah, I mean, they have Carry On Johnson still, but whether it's you know bringing back Peterson for a year or bringing in one of these, because um, there's a lot of gonna, cheap RB options that are gonna be available. Cheap veteran guys. You're gonna have James Conner, who's gonna be available. Uh, Chris Carson's gonna be available. Now I don't know. Maybe Seattle resigns him. Uh, hard to say there, but you know, David Johnson, they, which we can get to with the Houston, but I think they're going to end up cutting him. So he's going to be available. They're going to have options to bring in a veteran, but I think the, the thing that everybody's going to talk about is, are they going to use Swift like new Orleans used Kamara? And I think that's the thing that's going to be really interesting to see mm-hmm. because Dan Campbell, yes, he was the assistant to the regional manager in new Orleans, but you know how much input did he really have on offense? You know, I think there was a lot of Sean Payton's offense, and he doesn't really have any play calling experience either. Um, now they did bring, oh, they, they haven't hired an OC yet, so that's going to be interesting. But I think if he tries to replicate New Orleans' offense, you're going to see Swift used like Kamara, which would be very good for fantasy. Yeah, that's that's really really exciting. Um, stock up for Hawkinson. Yeah, I would think he'd stock up for Hawkinson. I mean. Dan Campbell was a tight end in the pros for 10 years. You know, then he was a tight end coach at Miami. 
uh, for four years. He was a tight end coach in New Orleans for his four years there too, it, along with being the assistant to the head coach. Um, so, you know, he's a strong tight end background there. So, and Hawkinson already was, you know, flirting with being a top, well, he's definitely a top five tight end, but he was flirting with getting into that, you know, tight end three spot. You know, it's him and Mark Andrews right there right now. So I think that that would be a stock up for Hawkinson as well, especially because they don't have any wide receivers left after this year besides Quintez Cephas. You know, Galladay is a free agent. He's 27, so he's an old free agent. I think this is really his only shot at a big payday. So I think he's going to go get that while he can. Now, Detroit does have, you know, decent amount of cap space. You know, they're 18th in cap space, so like right in the middle. So if they want to bring him back, they can. But, you know, Marvin Jones is a free agent. Danny Amendola is a free agent. Mohamed Sanu is going to be a free agent. So Hawkinson's really, Hawkinson and Swift are really the only guys left standing on this roster. So I think it's stock up for both. Yeah, I am. Um, I, I've heard really good things about that GM that they just brought in too from the way well, he came from the Rams. Um, yeah. I've heard some people say some really good things about him. Um, so I am wondering how much they're going to value spending a lot of money on receiver and how much they're going to spend. They're just going to go into the draft and, and bring somebody in. Um, stock up for Stafford? Oh, man, that one's that one's tough. I think it's neutral for Stafford right now. I think the big thing is going to be who do they bring as an OC? Because I think this is going to be a team that's going to want to run the ball more, but I don't think this is a team that's necessarily going to be able to run the ball more. Um, I think that Matt Patricia absolutely wanted to establish the run, you know, but it ended up not working out that way. I mean, you know, Detroit was, um, you know, the fourth in pass rate this year. So they probably wanted to run the ball, but, they just can't with that defense. So, and I don't think that's going to change too much this year. So I think depending on who they bring in as OC, I, I think Stafford's neutral right now. I think they're still going to have to throw the ball a decent amount. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to be behind a lot, I think. Um, so that defense is really bad. I think that that's, that's the multi-year rebuild. Um, Cause the line is decent. The offensive line's decent. You have Swift, you have Hawkins and you have Stafford. Um, but they really don't have much on, on defense. Um, no, I mean, they took a CUDA who everybody really liked Akuda. Um, so, you know, high potential there, but beyond yeah. that. Yeah. I and mean, he had a really bad rookie year um, yeah. ended early, or ended early uh, due to injury, I think, but not, um, not the, not the great start that they were looking necessarily for there. Um, Jacksonville. And this is a really weird, dis- this is a fun discussion because there's a lot of different moving pieces here. There's a lot of different um, like hypotheticals you can play around with here. Uh Urban Meyer going in there his first time as an NFL head coach. He's done the college thing for years. Um, they have the number one overall pick. It presumes to take Trevor Lawrence, but either way, they're probably taking a quarterback at uh, either him or Fields or somebody. Um, some very interesting offensive weapons there with um, uh, Chark and LaVisca Chenault and James Robinson. Um, and even some of the tight ends like Josh Oliver, I think, is an intriguing yeah. uh, profile of a player. Uh, so what uh, are you making of that hire, especially for fantasy purposes? Uh, well, I think I think bringing in Urban Meyer is a really interesting decision. 
I mean, you know, he was he's known for running the spread offense and he's known for being a high flying offense and having a lot of um productivity there. And it was a very successful coach in college, obviously. I mean, he has 85.4% all-time winning percentage in college. And he didn't have any seasons where he had less than eight wins. And that includes not, at Bowling Green. I'm not going to lie. I thought I that, like, when you say that, and it's like, it's very, very impressive. But I was also like, I'm actually surprised it's not a little bit higher than that. Because he had jugger, he had juggernauts at Florida and Ohio State. Right. And even you, he built Utah into a really good team. He went to a, yeah. a New York Six Bowl with Alex Smith there. Yeah. Well, I mean, he did coach it at Bowling Green for two years too before going to Utah. And then he did have like a down stretch with Florida, um, you know, where they had a couple eight win seasons, uh, eight win season, nine win seasons there. So that's why it's a little bit lower. But yeah, he has three national titles, obviously. Um, but I, I, the biggest question for me is like, how is his offense going to translate to the pros? So, you know, obviously the pros are adapting to more of a spread style system, but, you know, I think, you know, I think his offense at Ohio State, you know, everybody was saying that, and I mean, Ryan Day's in charge now, but I think Ryan Day's still running a lot of what he did too. But everybody there was kind of saying like, how well is this going to translate? Um, So, but now he does adapt his offenses a little bit. Like when he had Tebow, you know, he obviously couldn't do the same things. So... You know, I, I I do think he's going to be able to adapt this pretty well. Um, and obviously, he does get the number one overall pick, so he can bring in Trevor Lawrence. And I know you mentioned it too, and you're going to hear people rumoring it with the Fields connection to because of Urban, but I, I wouldn't believe that. I mean, I don't think Urban feels strongly enough tied to Fields that he's going to pass over the talent that Trevor Lawrence is. Um, so I think that that's I think they're going to go with him, and then like you said, they do have very good pieces on offense and Shark and Chenault and Robinson. You're going to hear all off season about how Chenault's going to be a buy and a sleeper. So that's you're going to probably everybody's probably going to get sick of hearing that. But I like that you brought up Josh Oliver because I was also going to bring him up. I like that uh, that potential addition there. Yeah. Um- I, so first off, I don't think he's going to be a successful NFL coach. And I've said this for, um, forever. Um, I just don't necessarily think that, uh, like he, he's the kind of college coach that, um, has out recruited people for so long. And I find those guys generally don't do as well in the NFL, at least not the first time around. Um, like Pete Carroll figured out, but it was, it was second time in the NFL. People forget that he coached before he was with the Seahawks. Um, I just think like those guys like Saban, um, I'm trying to think of who the other guy is that, that, um, Charlie Weiss failed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a a lot of those, those coaches that they basically out recruit people in college come to the NFL and it's just a totally different game. Um, so, and the fact that he's had to leave his last two jobs because of health, because the job was too stressful. Um, yeah is not exactly like a resounding, you know, positive thing uh, for, for him in the NFL. Um, I don't think like he has no connection to Justin Fields. He didn't recruit him. He like, there's no connection there. Assuming that other than that, like he talks to Ryan day every now and then. So I I have, you have to believe that it's Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. I Um, I am not as big of a chart guy as a lot of people. But this is probably the best case scenario for him where I think now maybe he can be a like I think his ceiling is a wide receiver too. I don't think that he's the level of a player that 
can be a true alpha wide receiver one top ten, top end guy in the NFL. Um, but I think with him and Chenault, yeah, I think that's a decent uh, set of weapons for Lawrence to come into the the league and do something with. Yeah, and I think they also have some nice pieces on defense too. You know, they spent some time building that up a little bit. They have Miles Jack. They just brought in Kalevon Chase on this year, who looked pretty solid. They have Josh Allen on the defensive line as well. Um, you know, so I think that they're uh, CJ Henderson too, corner. Um, so I think they have some nice pieces there overall. Um, but you know, they hired Urban before they hired a GM. So like this is gonna be his show. Um so which is I also th- just a terrible idea. Yeah, but that's, that's cool. yeah. Yeah, and and I think you brought up a really good point. Like, you know, his health issues caused him to retire at Florida and Ohio State. And it always seemed like those health issues came right on the heels of like a scandal. Um, so, you know, and then, you know, is, is that going to happen in the NFL? Can he handle those stresses? You know, I think that's a, a really good question there. But I, I'm with you. I don't know if this was, I don't know if this is going to work out for him. I mean, it's definitely fl- it's flashy and splashy, but. And, and um, as we kind of alluded to with with the intro into the show today, I love when NFL teams are willing to bring in people that have never been NFL head coaches before. So in that sense, I love what they did with bringing in somebody who's never done it before. Uh, and then they totally just broke my heart when they went out. And who did who they sign an offensive coordinator? Daryl Bevel. Daryl Bevel, a guy who is like a retread and like wasn't even good at his job before. Yeah. So uh, like that, I I we talked a little bit before the show here. I hate retread hires. I think they offer very little. It's very unimaginative. It's uninspiring. And I think uh, honestly, more often than not, it doesn't work out. So I, I, I get that he probably wanted to hire a guy that's been here in the NFL and who's done it before, but like, I, that's like, just like the least inspiring thing you can do for me is bring in somebody that's like been a bunch of places and like been like average everywhere. Yeah, I don't, and I don't understand the Daryl Bevel hire as as the OC there either. I mean, like, there's definitely so many better options out there, and like you said, he wasn't even really that good where he's been. I mean, they had the fourth highest pass rate this year, so like, it looks like he throws the ball a little bit more. But again, that was in Detroit, so like we talked about there, that's that was kind of passing by necessity. Um, so I don't know. I, he doesn't really inspire a whole lot of confidence for me. So I'm kind of hoping Urban puts his stamp on the offense. Yeah. Um, so the next one here is the LA chargers um, and Bravo to them. Not like not a retread hire. They brought in Brandon Staley, who is the latest in the Sean McVay um, BFF club that has <laughs> since that is, that has gone to be an NFL head coach. Um, people joke about it. I don't know. I don't, I don't think there's really anything to that. I think it just happens that this guy, like everyone, everyone has awesome things to say about this guy because he's gone from, like a like a D two coach or something. Um, he was with John Carroll. He was their defensive coordinator in 2013, and then he went to and in 2015 2016. And since then, he's gone outside linebackers coach with the Bears for two years, outside linebackers coach with the Broncos for a year, defensive coordinator with the Rams for the year, NFL head coach. So this guy has shot up the ranks. People rave about how smart he is. People assume that they were going to get an offensive coach to bring in there with Justin Herbert, but I don't hate this offer without, and I'll, I'll say this without seeing who he chooses as his offensive coordinator. As long as he doesn't choose some <laughs> bum retread, I'm very excited to see what this staff can do there. Yeah, I'll be really interested to see who he brings in as his OC. 
because I, I I'm with you there. I I love that they. I love that Brandon Staley got a head coaching job and everybody really raves with this guy. I was reading a really good article in the athletic about how he got hired by McVeigh, And, you know, when McVeigh was looking for his D coordinator to replace Phillips, um, you know, he contacted Staley, you know, cause Staley was with uh, Vic Fangio for a while. You know, he was with Vic Fangio with the bears in 2017, 2018, he followed Fangio to Denver coach shows outside linebackers there in 2019. So he comes from a strong defensive tree there. You know, everybody really seems to respect Fangio as far as the defensive coordinator goes. And then, you know, so that's how he kind of got the interview. And McVeigh said to him, you know, he's going to pick him up at four o'clock in the morning. So McVeigh drove to him, picked him up four o'clock in the morning. And then they ended up just talking football for 12 hours. And, you know, so he said, everybody's saying like he found the defensive McShea or McVeigh. So I think that was a really interesting there that um, that article, if, if it's like I said, it's on the athletic. So definitely go check that one out. Um, but like you said, he's just had a meteoric rise here. And I think coming from John Carroll really helps too. Cause you know, John Carroll seems to be NFL breeding ground right now. Um, yeah. You know, more than 30% of the, the league um, has a, at least one person on their staff from John Carroll um, and Nick Casario just got hired uh, for Houston, also from John John Carroll, you know Bill Belichick, obviously. So there's it, the 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 story there is you know everybody knows about that. But um, so I really like the hire. My problem is hiring a defensive head coach. I don't necessarily think that's a great idea because you're gonna lose you know if you bring in an offensive coordinator and let's say they're a really good offensive coordinator and they they do great things with your offense you're probably going to lose them to future head coaching jobs you know and then you bring in an offensive coordinator and they suck and they're not really good and they get fired you know then you have to you keep hiring new ones so i think going with the defensive head coach leads to a higher chance of seeing instability on your offense which when you have a young quarterback like Herbert who had so much has so much potential and he looked so good this year at times, I think that was a I don't necessarily love that hire. I mean, you heard the Brian Dable connections. Uh, you know, you heard a lot of that chatter, um, you know, especially with him being connected to Tom Telesco. You know, they went to the same high school, they were on the same football team there, they were three years apart. So and then, then you saw his work with Josh Allen this year and how far he's brought Josh Allen. And there's some similarities between Allen and Herbert's games. I thought that was a much more natural hire. So while I like that Brandon Staley got a head coach job, I don't necessarily love that the Chargers are the one to give it to him. Yeah, the only thing that I can ever think of with those kinds of things is that maybe they just really want like a um – um, like a guy that's just going to kind of come in and just oversee everything as opposed yeah. to giving a lot of attention to the quarterback. Um, because otherwise, yeah, there really isn't a reason to necessarily go that direction. But I, I think that those hires, like the gen, like I have to be very careful with how I phrase this because general <laughs> manager is also like a person, but like yes. a general manager of the team as a in CEO. like they come in and that, yes, a CEO, they let the, the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator do their jobs and, you know, the, they allow they facilitate these things without like being knee deep in them, which I think Staley will do. So I think that from that standpoint, it's a good thing. Yeah, I agree. I think 
I think Brandon Staley is a great coach. I mean, you saw how great his defense was this year. Yeah, they were first in opponents' yards per game, second in opponents' points per game, sixth in opponent red zone scoring per game. So, you know, very, very good defense. And I, I think that all of the pieces that the Chargers have on defense, I think he can replicate, you know, this type of defensive production, assuming everybody stays healthy. So, like, that's great, and I love that. But like I said, I think just it's going to lead to some offensive inconsistencies, which you don't necessarily want to see with a young quarterback with so much potential like Herbert, because yes, you bring him in and you let the offensive coordinator do his job. And like I said, if he's good, if you pick a good one and he's good, he's probably going to leave for a head coach job. And now you have to do it again. And how often can you continually hit on these offensive coordinators is the big question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's pretty much everything that we have to talk about with the Chargers until we find out who the OC is. Right. So the Jets, the Jets bring in Robert Sala, who was the defensive coordinator with the 49ers for the past few seasons. Um, he was probably he was probably the guy that most fan bases wanted this offseason. I think I, I, I feel comfortable saying that it seemed like he was he was kind of the top candidate for most fan bases. Uh, he's bringing in offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur. And I guess really the discussion for fantasy purpose with these guys starts and stops with what we think they're going to do with the number two pick compared to what we think they're going to do with Sam Darnold. Yeah, I think that's the biggest question, obviously, for the Jets. I mean, now I just I didn't trash the Chargers going defensive court, like defensive minded head coach, but I, I definitely questioned it. I think. Uh, going with Sela for the Jets, I think that was a better decision if you're going to go defensive head coach. Um, I think Detroit could have done it too, potentially. Um, and I mean, everybody kind of thought Sela was going to go to Detroit, especially with Michigan, you know, lawmakers signing a petition to the Fords uh, to get him on as their head coach. Um, but so, but I do think that the Jets, you know, if they're going to go defense, they needed to fix that defense. That defense was atrocious, and they don't have a strong quarterback candidate that they are, that this regime is tied to. Now the new, uh, you know, um, Staley is not necessarily tied to Herbert, but obviously you're not going to give up on Herbert after what you saw. I think Sela has his options open here, like you were saying for the number two pick. So, you know, I think that they can, they have options there. They can stick with Darnold, try to develop him, because I think Darnold's a good fit in LaFleur's offense. I mean, you assume LaFleur is going to kind of bring Shanahan's offense with him. And I think that Darnold kind of fits that pretty well. Um, but, you know, obviously sitting at number two and this being a strong quarterback class, they could also easily go, you know, Wilson or Fields. Um, so I think that that's going to be the biggest story all offseason. But I, I, if I got to, if I had to put a guess to it right now, I do think they're going to stick with Darnold, and I think they would trade back from two for some more picks to try and build up that defense because there's not really a defensive guy that you're going to take sitting at two. Um, you know, they can trade back to four with Atlanta, or they can trade back to eight with um, you know Carolina, and still get some good a good defensive player there and pick up some other pieces and try to build a little bit around Darnold, and then if it doesn't work. They're presumably going to be picking pretty high again next year. So I think that they can, if it doesn't work with Darnold, they can reset it next year after that. 
Yeah, I don't have any strong thoughts either way as to whether they should stick with Darnold or not. Like, I go back and forth on it. Like, if you ask me tomorrow, maybe I'll say, oh, I think they should move on. And then if you ask me the day after that, maybe I'd say, ah, maybe they stick with Darnold. Because I still think... Um, Okay, so first off, I don't watch every single Jets game, and I know I've heard, heard from Jets fans that say that Darnold has been bad, like that the offense looked just as good, if not better, with Flacco there. Um, but I also generally consider Jets fans to be kind of insane. So <laughs> I take a lot of the stuff they say with a grain of salt, like to be honest. Um, from the games that I've watched, like I don't think that like I don't sit there and watch the Jets offense stagnate at times and say, yeah, I think this is Sam Darnold's fault. Like I just don't think the line is that great outside of one or two guys. I think the weapons are all like fine if you like eating like knockoff brand cereal, like and you get like the 12 pound bag that sits in the corner of your kitchen, then you probably are really cool with Jamison Crowder. And like oh, all these guys, they have. And, like even, even Denzel Mims, like doesn't excite me. So um, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. I probably, did, I hope we don't have a lot of Jets fans that listen to us. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I like, so I, I don't, until the draft happens, I won't have a strong feeling about anybody on that roster. I don't really have many Jets players across my teams just because of the nature of like, they're not right. good. Right. So, yeah, I, yeah, I'll wait and see in May how we're feeling at that point. Well, I think the biggest, one of the other big storylines for the Jets this offseason is going to be how much cap space they have. They're the third most cap space. So they have plenty of money, and I think you're going to see them go after a big-name wide receiver. To They're going to go out, because if they go out, they get a big-name wide receiver, they pair him with Darnold, that's, and they finally give him you know, a good weapon to throw the ball to. I think at that point, if he still doesn't perform, then you can say, okay, he couldn't get it done with this good wide receiver, like, you know, A-Rob, Juju, Godwin, Galladay, you know, one of those guys. He couldn't get it done with him. Now it's time to move on for sure. Like now we know for sure this guy is off. And I don't know, maybe, you know, they don't want to stick with like, um, you know, Darnold at all. And they, maybe they don't want to give him that chance. Maybe they've seen enough. I don't know what they're thinking, but I would bring in a big name free agent wide receiver, give him a good target to throw to. So you said they have Crowder, who's fine. Um, <laughs> compared to the big store brand bag of cereal. <laughs> um, and they do have Mims, who's a guy that I do like, but it's just pretty bleh. So I think that's going to be a big move for them this offseason is they're going to go get a big name free agent wide receiver. It would be so New York Jets for them to do something like to get rid of Darnold in some shape or form this offseason, probably way cheaper than they should have. And he goes somewhere else and it looks like really good. That would be very New York Jets, I feel like. <laughs> there are very few teams in the NFL that I that would happen to. And I would think it's like more apt than if it happened to the Jets. Um, well, there we go. We were talking about the Saints earlier. Maybe the Saints go get uh go get Darnold. Yeah, yeah. That'd be uh, yeah, I, the Saints could do a lot worse than that. Um so Philly here and Philly is like the weird one because I think we don't know enough yet about what's going on here to make like that much of a decision. Uh, but they bring in Nick Sirianni, who was the Colts offensive coordinator uh, the past three years, but he was not the play caller there for them, which people seem to get really hung up on. It's like the same discussion with Eric Bieniemy, 
Um, people are like, well, how good can he be if he's like not calling the plays and whatever? Like we said, I don't think that necessarily makes you a great head coach or a bad head coach. Um, but he, so his, his background is kind of odd. He's like assistant quarterbacks coach as recent as 2010 offensive quality control coach in 2013 with the chargers wide receivers coach 2016, 2017, so he hasn't been doing like the really, really responsible stuff for very long. But again, I like these fresh guys that come in here and can uh, maybe have some different ideas of what they want to do. Um, uh, Colin, do you or have you read anything? Do you get any sort of sense as to whether he seems to be the kind of guy that would want to keep Wentz or would he want to go with Hertz? So I think the biggest thing with Sirianni is that this says that this hire says to me is that they did not have a plan when they fired Doug Peterson because like this guy came kind of came out of nowhere. You didn't hear his name anywhere on any of the coaching circles. Uh, so you have uh, to me, and I don't know if this is what happened, but to me, what this seems like is they were like, all right, well, Doug Peterson's out and, uh, you know, now, now what do we do? And it sounds like they kind of went crawling back to Frank Reich and begged for his help and said, you know, who do you think we should hire? And they gave him his OC, you know, and maybe that's not how it went down. I don't know. But, you know, that, I just feel like they didn't have a very clear plan when they fired Peterson as far as who they were going to bring in. Now, I think from what you hear and what you read, the reason that they, you know, parted ways with Peterson is because it's rumored that Peterson wanted Hertz and Roseman and Lori wanted Wentz. So you would think that bringing in Sirianni, it sounds like they would, to me, like that they're going to try to build around Wentz. So I think that that's what they're going to try to do. And then they bring in Sirianni, who has experience with Frank Reich. Frank Reich has experience with Wentz. So, you know, you kind of see that connection a little bit there. And, you know, Sirianni ha does have two years as a QB coach with Phillip Rivers in San Diego. Now, I mean, it's Phillip Rivers in San Diego in 2014, 2015. So how much coaching did he really need? You know, I think it was probably more of Rivers coaching Sirianni, to be honest with you. But, you know, I think that they're kind of hoping that they bring in him with that QB coach experience, with that tie to Frank Reich to turn around Wentz. That's my take on it. Yeah, that's another one where I just don't like I, I don't have any strong feelings either way about what the Eagles are going to do. Um, and I don't know if they know what they're going to do. I think they're better off whatever they do, though, deciding early in the postseason which direction they want to go. And then you uh, really using this year's draft to find players that will complement whichever quarterback they go with. Um, they 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 need another receiver regardless, I think. Right. Um, and now maybe you don't like if you're going with Hertz, maybe you're not grabbing a guy that's, you know, it really excels downfield because Hertz that's just not really his game. You know, maybe you find a guy that works really well outside of the structure of the offense and uh, can work himself open for a quarterback. Um, I, I really don't know what direction they're going to go, but I feel like you know, having Miles Sanders there, um, I'm not a huge Jalen Rieger guy, but he's like he, he he's not terrible. So they have some weapons there. They just need to decide sooner rather than later. Yeah, well, they have weapons if everybody can stay healthy. I mean, that was kind of everybody's big concern this year. 
Um, but I think another big problem that they're going to run into is their salary cap situation. Uh, you know, we talked about it before that the cap's kind of expected to go down and they're expected to have the second least amount of cap space. You know, it's not, it's not looking good there. And yes, the salary cap is a myth to some extent. Usually you can kind of move things around and and they can cut Alshon and Deshaun Jackson and Malik Jackson and all of that will save them $12 million. So they can move some things around, but I think with the cap going down as opposed to going up, like most years it goes up. And with this weird year this year, I do think you're actually going to see the salary cap affect people. So, you know, I think that's going to be something that's a bit of, it's going to take a bit of maneuvering on their end too. And they're an old team as well. Like 10 of their high, 10 of their 11 highest paid players are over the age of 30. So you kind of think that, you know, resetting at the coach, they might try to hit the reset button a little bit here. So I'd be interested to see if they make any trades, if they move any of those guys um, who don't have ridiculous contracts. Obviously, you expect them to keep like Fletcher Cox and guys like that and Darius Slay. So I would expect them to hang on to them. But then, you know, like you said, once they kind of shake out how that roster is going to look, you know, where do they go at six? Um, Because they definitely have a lot of needs. But I I do think you're going to hear them rumored just going receiver. And I think if they keep Wentz, I think a, a Jamar Chase type receiver would be a very, very good fit with him. Yeah, the salary cap is a is a myth, and like in the same sense that like the Norse gods are a myth, the Thor movies, <laughs> like everyone <laughs> thinks it is, and then like something happens, and you're like, like the pandemic this year is like the yeah. thing that happened, <laughs> um, and now we're seeing that like maybe it actually is real, um, at least for like a year or two until it rebounds. Yeah. I think a lot of teams, like the Steelers, are feeling it. Um, I, I like that's my favorite team, so I, I know firsthand off of that. Just, Falcons. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a harsh reality for a lot of teams. Uh, Saints are another big one. Yeah. Um, so the only yeah Chiefs. Uh, so the the only other team we really have to talk about here, and we're just going to briefly um, rip this organization for a few minutes, and then we're going to be on our merry way. Is Houston, <laughs> who still has no idea what they're doing. Um, they are in absolute turmoil, as we talked about last show with. Uh, Watson apparently wanting to leave and really not much else on the roster that's generally appealing. Watson was rumored as saying that he would stay if they got the enemy, but that was like eight transgressions ago. So now I'm not exactly sure if that's even like still an ultimatum that's on the table. Um, So Colin, fire away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you hit it. I mean, this is a disaster of a situation right now. I, they don't have any picks in the, you know, they, they're 24th in cap space. They don't have a lot of cap space there. Now, like I mentioned earlier, they can cut David Johnson, and that's actually only going to give them 2.1 mil in dead cap. So that's, you know, they can move on from his contract pretty easily. And that'll probably clear them up cap wise that they could make some moves here if they need to. Um, you know, but it's also, I think the biggest thing is it's, you're hearing all these rumors that it's a toxic culture just from the top down. Um, you know, Cal McNair doesn't see, he seems to be very tone deaf, kind of like his dad was with, with everything. Uh, at, at some point it's like, it's not tone deaf. Like <laughs> he, he, They've got like this idiot preacher there. Like, like your, your tone. If one guy's tone, like, like that, it's tone deaf. If, if him and his son are like that, um, I, I think there's like another word for it that I'm not going to say on the show because I really don't want like a strongly worded, uh, like a legal yeah. letter. In the mail. 
<laughs> yeah, and then you hear all the stuff about Jack Easterby too, and just you know all of the rumors about him. I mean, he let that one, uh, and her name's escaping me right now, but she was that director of media who was so highly respected at, across the, you know, the league, and he let her go. And you know, and Andre Johnson came out the other day and said that nothing good has ever happened to that organization since Jack Easterby was brought in. Uh, so, you know, that's not a good situation there either. Now, Nick Casario is pretty highly thought of um, in most NFL circles, it seems. So maybe he can turn some things around a little bit. But, I mean, Deshaun Watson's uh, clearly upset, which we talked about. You know, and then J.J. Watts had a guaranteed money on his deal this year. So if they wanted to move on from him, they could. But his contract's up next year. And he's already said he doesn't want to finish his career for a rebuilding team. So, you know, if he goes and Watson goes, now you're you just lost your two biggest uh, you know, fan favorites. You know, everybody loves Watson, everybody loves Watt. And, you know, if you lose both of them, you know, who's the face of your franchise? I'm you know, a huge then, Laramie Tunsil fan. I'm going <laughs> to the games to watch Laramie Tunsil. <laughs> you gotta get your Laramie Tunsil jersey too. You probably have to get that custom made. <laughs> Can't even buy it on the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, and, and then you have Will Fuller who's gone in free agency too. So like the situation is just a mess. You know, what coach wants to go here? You know, does Eric B really want to leave his job in KC for this? Yeah. Um, I, I don't think he, he will. Um, I, I am really interested to see who they get there and how their off season plays out. Um, Think they go with Adam Gase. Oh my <laughs> God. If they go Adam Gase, I feel like you just take that franchise away from them. <laughs> like, oh man. Um, I mean, I thought Adam Gase would never get another head coaching or another job, but um, he's rumored <laughs> to be the new <laughs> OC in Seattle, which if <laughs> how can you trade all of that? those assets for Jamal Adams who hates Adam Gase <laughs> and then bring in Adam Gase. <laughs> Cause I feel like one of them has to go. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's would just be absolutely hilarious that they brought in Jamal Adams who needed out of New York because of Gase. And then they're going to bring him in as an OC. I, uh, I don't know what, like what people see in that guy. Um, I don't either. I'm not going to dive like too deep into that here tonight, but, um, oh man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's the show. <laughs> not going to talk about Adam Gase here. Um, so thanks again for joining us here this week, guys. Um, if you have not yet rated or reviewed the show, um, uh, we've still got this, um, lovely looking, uh, signed JK Dobbins, Ohio state, uh, black Jersey to be giving away. Uh, if you do that, uh, if you do leave us a review, please just screenshot it and send a picture of it to us, either via DM on Twitter. I am at Debbie Dietz. Colin is at Campus2Canton, the number two in the middle there. Or you can email it to us. We are uh, Campus2Canton at gmail.com. Same as Colin's Twitter handle with the with the number two in the middle. Outside of that, um, we will uh, be back on Monday with another campus life, the college side of things for us. Colin, do you have anything to add? 
No, just definitely get those rates and reviews in now. Um, you know, I, I'm hearing a lot from from some of our listeners here that, you know, they're Penn State fans. Um, you know, so even if you're a Penn State fan, you know, get get your rate in, your review in. You could still win this jersey. You know, you could put it on a stick and burn it if you want. It's not like it cost us all that much. <laughs> um you know, <laughs> and it was Austin's money anyway. Um, so, you know, it would do whatever you want with the jersey. You know, give it to your your homeless guy down the street if you want. Um, you know, but get a rate and a review in at least. You know, even if you don't necessarily want this beautiful and as a Penn State fan, you know, I, I shouldn't say this, but it is a really nice looking jersey. And it's the black one with the red lettering on it. You know, it's autographed too, like we were saying. So, you know, even if you don't necessarily want to get those rates and reviews in, if you win it, we'll donate it to whoever you want, all jokes aside. So, uh, you know, definitely get those rates and review ins because we are giving that out soon. Uh, we've been teasing it for a while and we're going to, we're expected to drop something here, drop something big very soon. So get those in because this giveaway is going to con- coincide with that. Yep. Yep. So until Monday, guys, um, enjoy your weekend. Have a good one.